Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Welcome to episode 66 of Running Matters yeah. Podcast. My name's Judge Stewart, and with me today is my co-host, Paul Hadfield. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well. You're Excellent. sounding uh, a little bit deeper than the Wolfman. Yeah. Oh, look, this is just the new and improved version, so... <laughs> Matty couldn't be here today because I've just stolen his seat, so our our special guest today is Grant Brisbane. Thanks for getting up your time. No worries, it's good to be here. Excellent. We're all a bit nervous, me included, so... (laughs) We'll get through it, mate. We'll be fine. (laughs) Look, before I get into it, I'd like to thank our um, our partners, Ranulla, Sydney Brewery, Goo Energy, Guy Allied Health, Base Camp Altitude, T8 Run... Precision hydration and fractal running caps. It's a long list, mate. You <laughs> might need a drink today. I've got to wash that down. There's to too many. Um, also, I'd like to thank Jimmy Carroll for his tireless work behind the scenes doing the editing. So Thank you, Jimmy. Let's get into it. Thank you, Jimmy. We should quickly thank Sydney Brewery, who are hosting us this afternoon. We're back finally face-to-face with a, an interview. We haven't done one face-to-face for a while. It's good to have a couple of schooners. Thanks, Sydney Brewery. What are you uh, into there? I think I'm on the uh, Glamorama. You agree? Really yeah, sure. the same. It's, yeah. it's uh, started well, so... Yeah, it's <laughs> a good job. I'm on a Highland IPA, so thanks, Sydney Brewery. We might uh, quickly throw to Guy Allen Health for some tips on uh, returning to running and racing after layoff. Uh, so over to you guys. We're here with Paul from Gaimi Allied Health to give us some tips about missing injuries or avoiding injuries coming out of isolation. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well. Just a quick jump over back into work, mate. Yeah, away from the pub. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah, nice to be sober. Yeah, mate, it is. Mm. It's a nice change. Let's keep it short. <laughs> That's right. It is Friday afternoon, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just want to have a quick chat to our, our listeners about I guess avoiding some easy pitfalls coming back out of this isolation stuff and into race mode or training mode. And so, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on which way you look at it, we've been seeing plenty of runners in on my bench. So there's there's a few common themes here. I thought it'd be good to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. What we well, can do. Yeah. Well, I guess also um, th- there's going to be a, a whole heap of races that are going to get chucked on all of a sudden. Yeah. So people will either ramp up their training suddenly mm. or jump jump into these races and possibly get injured doing the race and that's yeah well that's what we're seeing already i guess so yeah it brings you to i guess point one is just give an accurate assessment of your current fitness level so um i've seen a lot of people just taking off where they stopped in say january and their fitness has you know declined a fair bit in three months you can sort of see that strength fitness endurance all that sort of stuff so I think it's important to be um, honest with yourself and give yourself a good assessment of where you are and then start thinking about your training load from where you are rather than where you, you have been. So if someone's been knocking out 70, 80, 100k a week in January, it uh, doesn't mean they can step straight back into that load. They really need to think about progressing back up to where they were, but, but spending a good couple of months sort of gradually progressing that, that load yeah, up to that level. So seen a few people of that ilk already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I guess the other uh, sort of 
space around that current fitness level is to assess what you have been doing, what sort of running you have been doing over the last three months and have I been just sort of cruising around the bush, cruising around the escarpment, whatever it is, am I ready to go back into 5k pace or 10k pace or even track stuff, you know, we we can't just jump straight back into that sort of training because it's a difference in load, it's a difference in uh, activation patterns of the muscles, all those sorts of things, difference in impact. So yeah, have, have a good look at what we've been doing for the last three months and then gradually getting back into say some track work or some speed work don't just sort of hit that straight up and so if you've just been cruising around the bush maybe your 5k park run time might not be where you you thought it was you know three months ago so don't expect it to be in that yeah same realm just yet and uh yeah avoid that little injury pitfall straight away yeah well that's a that's another example too park run so that'll be on and so, like you're saying, like people, whatever times they were doing pre, if they haven't kept up their training mm. consistently, they don't want to go out and yeah. do themselves some damage. Well, even just trying to hit those marks for your first park run back, if you haven't been doing, you know, most, a, lot of, a lot of people do park run week after week after week, so they really do build that tolerance to a fast 5K, um, and they haven't been doing that for a good few months now. So, you know, their, their body's probably not ready to, to go balls out for 5K at this point in time, mm. so... Yeah, I really suggest taking that nice and easy or at least uh, starting the ball rolling with some, you know, some shorter K efforts, those sorts of things, and building up to, to being a 5K runner again. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, even, like I say, assessing your current fitness level, if that means starting out and doing a bit of walk, run, walk, run sort of stuff, then, you know, that's the way it has to be. You, you got to be realistic about where you are and, and build up to where you want to be, but body doesn't adapt straight away it takes a little bit of time to adapt so be patient give it a bit of time and you'll get to those goals number two uh what we are seeing a heap of uh, probably associated with a home office kind of stuff is a real lack of incidental movement so our day-to-day movements become very very limited i wouldn't have thought we could become more sedentary than we actually were but it's happened funnily enough um, and, and so people are just rolling out of bed, walking five metres to the kitchen, walking five metres to the home office, sitting there for eight hours, rolling onto the lounge and watching Netflix and having a bottle of wine. So Sounds like a good day to me. Fantastic day, mm. fantastic day. Mm. Um, but potentially not if you then want to go out and run 30k on the weekend. You know, mm. We're just not moving those joints enough, not activating those muscles enough. And so we need to think about the idea of increasing our incidental movement. So I've been telling patients, take your phone call standing up, leave a bit of TheraBand on your desk next to your computer, you know, knock out 10 push-ups, 10 little squats, just add little bits and pieces into your day that mean that you're moving because you're not walking to go get a coffee from the coffee shop, you're not even walking to the printer or the toilet, everything's within a little 10 meter radius for a lot of people at the moment so they're not moving for you know eight ten hours a day and then they might go to the track for an hour and they might move really intensely for an hour so they've got this real discrepancy between zero movement through the day and then super hard movement for an hour and it's just yeah body doesn't cope with that particularly well so we're seeing a lot of injuries out of that stuff so yeah i think it's important to look at your incidental movement and try to just 
find a way to build that up. And so I don't care how you have to do it, but just move more through the day. Walk around the block. Walk around the block. That's right. Simple. Little single leg squats, little glute activation exercises, jump on the foam roller, but just leave some stuff that's visual next to your workspace so that you go, oh, hang on. That's that's reminding me to get up and, and move my move my butt for a couple of minutes. Yeah. And and I guess relating to that lack of incidental movement, we're probably seeing a few specifics for running. People are sitting down for too long, their hips are getting pretty tight, they're stuck in that ninety degree angle for a long period of time. So yeah, when they go to stand up, the hips aren't opening up particularly well. So I definitely suggest a little bit of stretching through the hip flexors as part as that part of that movement, getting up off your bum. And their glutes are sort of pretty much in sleep mode for a good 8 to 10 hours a day while they're sitting on their butt. Glutes aren't really needed while you're sitting on your butt. So, yeah, definitely suggesting some some bridging or some single leg squats, single leg deadlifts, those sorts of movements that are firing up those hips and those glutes and, yeah, getting us to stand up a bit taller, which we need to do when we're running. Um and, and playing into that is the idea of a little bit of stability as well. While we're sitting down, we're definitely not activating our foot, ankle, hip stability system at all. That just goes into sleep mode again. And we really need that for our running, particularly trail running. So, yeah, I'd be getting up and doing some single leg balance, single leg squat, just any of those sorts of things in between your your Zoom calls or whatever the hell office people do. Yeah. It's not my cup of tea. I don't know. What is it like, Wolf? I don't know. <laughs> not my cup of tea either. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I think, yeah, have a good look at your current fitness level and, and start working from there and then try to increase that uh, incidental movement through the day, start to incorporate hip flexor, stretching, glute, muscle activity and uh, some stability work. That, that'd be my little take-homes to get you out of isolation and some great advice mate look yeah. i'm one step ahead i've got yep. my checklist here yep hip stretch the top of the list nice all the way down balance hip swings and i'm on track for friday mate you're you're a model patient aren't you i am fantastic i wrote that up this morning i knew you coming around <laughs> it's good it's, yep. it's more than most of my patients do yeah so well yeah. done yeah no worries it's different color pen too for different days <laughs> You really made it work. Yeah. Anyway, stay positive, guys. Get out there, start moving. Good advice, mate. All right, we might. Uh, thanks for that very much for your time. No and uh, I might just quickly cross over to Lloydie. He's going to give us talk a bit about goo oh, and nice. uh, yeah, a bit of background about goo and its foundations over in the US. Unreal. Okay. See you guys. G'day, Lloydie. Nice to catch up again. Hey, Matt, and thanks for the cold beers again. My pleasure. So uh, we're here to chat about goose. Tell us, a, tell us a bit about goose and how they got started, that sort of thing. Well, it's a pretty interesting story. The guy who actually invented goo is an American guy. He actually owned part of Power Bar at the time. But his daughter was an ultra marathoner. It was one of the best in the States. This is going back 25 years ago, easy. And she couldn't eat when she ran. So he decided to make this, we could get liquid goo and she can eat it without affecting her stomach. So he took to the idea with uh, Power Bar, they said no go, and he sold his shares and invented goo, G-U, goo. <laughs> Everyone asks, why is it G-U? I think it's just on the, the name goo. Yeah. So, so he invented the, the gel, and it uh, was the very first gel ever invented, and there's been a lot of people trying to copy it over the years, 
and we're still number well they're number one in the states yeah i think they got uh, 60 percent of the market in the states yeah. which is massive yeah and we've got about probably 40 percent here yeah so we're still going very strong so people are wondering wondering what is goo well goo is a simple and complex sugar you know the simple sugar gives you that energy boost when you're starting to feel fatigued and the complex feeds you as you go down as you lose that sugar fix you if you don't have a backup where you're still feeding you plummet or your glycogen levels drop and you feels like you hit the wall basically yeah. the other thing with the goo compared to the others is we also have amino acids in there which help you repair your muscles as you run so when you run you're breaking down your muscles so that slows the process and helps build up so you can run further for longer it also has, the amino acids also a, a sort of a lactate buffer. So when you're running, when you're producing lactate, your body fatigues and fatigues and before the muscle starts to stop working. That also slows the process. So in a nutshell, that's what it does. Okay. And you know, we've got, I don't know, 20 odd flavors. When I first started, we had four. Yeah. <laughs> we've got 28 flavors or something. We've also got Roctane, which has got more amino acids which has got better lactate buffers and also gives you a, a boost, a food energy source straight away. You can know when you have a Roctane, I've, obviously you've had Roctane, yep. you know the difference from yeah. normal goo to Roctane, it's the rocket fuel as we call it. Yep. Um, when that first came out, they came in little silver packets with no uh, markings or anything on it and we called them silver bullets. Oh, yeah. And I used to send them over from the States and I used to give them out to my friends and they go, oh, got any of those silver bullets? <laughs> It was fantastic. So now that range has got probably 12 flavours. So. Yeah, yeah. So they're massive in, uh, in the gels. So. And, you know, it's been a product that's been going on for 20-odd years, and we keep on getting better and better with different flavours. People are still buying it. And we, if someone walks in the shop, they want a goo gel, whether it's ours or something. We're the Coca-Cola of gels, basically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and so, look, I've... If I'm doing a, a long run or a race, mm. I always have the the goos. And, and when I'm doing, if I'm doing a marathon, I'll actually have one every five Ks. Mm. Is that excessive? What would you recommend? No, well, see, they say every 45 minutes, you have one five or 10 minutes before you start and 45 there minutes after. That's a guideline because yep. that depends on your body type, yep. the heat of the day, how much training you've done. Yeah. You know, if I run a marathon, I was using about six yeah, okay. Yep. So I'll have one before I start, usually a chocolate one, it's got a little bit of fat, so it gets rid of the hunger pains before you start, and then I'll switch over to whatever. I'm not susceptible to uh, caffeine, so then we've got caffeine, double caffeine, and no caffeine. I can't tell the difference, but there are people out there who are more susceptible to caffeine and they get a better fix out of it, or it's not, it's too much for them, so you've got to work out what you want. Yeah, yeah, you don't want your stomach no. to, to go yeah. if you haven't been practicing it in training. No, exactly, and like I said, we've got Roctane as well, so you can start on the normal gels, and when you start getting to the uh, the dead zone, 30K onwards, mm. <laughs> switch over to the Roctane, yeah. so it just helps you boost, it gives that extra boost to get across the line. Yeah, the extra caffeine. Mm. Very good, Lloydie. Well, good, good to chat to you. Just before we finish up, what's your, what's your marathon PB? Uh, 2.14.35, and that was a long time ago. Nice. Finished second in the Sydney, running, running, uh, Sydney Marathon against an American. We beat the Kenyans and the, the, 
the uh, Tanzanians at the time. <laughs> okay, wow, that's impressive. It's going back a long time ago. 214. Yeah. Wow, impressive. Great, great catch up, Lloydie. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Matt, and thanks again for the beers. <laughs> all right, we'll get into it. First of all, I'd just like to share some news from yesterday. Our uh, intrepid leader, ScoMo, has come out in front of everyone and said that Australians will be free to go out to do outdoor events with up to 10,000 spectators from next month. So that might mean that we've got some races on the cards, Grant. Uh, yeah. What's what's in the wheelhouse, mate? What are you looking at? For me, I'm signed up for Blackall up in Queensland. Yep. We just need those borders to open up. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's in October. So uh, no UTA for me this year. Okay. So It's about the same time, the Blackall? Yeah, October, I don't know, 20th, something around there. Yep. So. Okay. Yeah, hundred so, hundred k. Yeah, it looks yeah. looks like a hot one. That's for sure. <laughs> we'll see. It's a uh, Western States qualifier. Yeah, yeah, of course. So. One of three in Australia. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it looks like Western States might not be uh, taking qualification for next year anyway. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> an event's an event, That's so right. we'll have a go. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely, mate. I'm doing uh, ultra trail for the same reason, but yeah, a fruitless exercise this time around. Well, fingers crossed it goes ahead. Yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed. It looks that way. Yep. If you can have 10,000 spectators watching the footy, why can't you have a few thousand running? Absolutely. I agree. Feeling more confident. What about you, Yeah, guys? I'll be there. With bells on. Yeah. I think we're in. I think we're on. You heard it here first. <laughs> it's on. So, Grant, you've, um, you've just completed the Great North Walk, 250Ks from Newcastle to middle of Sydney. Circular Quay. Circular Quay. Um, in 39 hours, 39 low, I think it was. 39.50. 39 yeah, that's high. A, that's yeah. high. 39 <laughs> high. Snuck under 40. <laughs> um, first of all, how are you feeling, mate? feel good, surprisingly. Yep. It's uh, two weeks on and the, the legs have come up good. Had a run today, run yesterday. Um, pretty much took 12 days off, though, to get over it and um, start easing back into it with some cruisy runs. So... That's, wow. that's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, a couple of black toes, but, you know, yeah. who needs toenails? Well, that's, that's right. <laughs> it's a mark of an ultra runner, isn't it? I think so. Mate, well, congratulations on that FKT, fastest known yeah. time. That's really impressive. Um, did you have sort of desire to do that one for a period of time, or is this an isolation project for you? No, I mean, I live on the Great North Walk um, down near Patonga, so it's kind of like my background, my training grounds so yeah, yeah. Um, I did the Great North Walk 100k back in 2016 mm. and uh, that definitely stirred a little desire to go a little bit further and yeah, yeah. check it all out and um, yeah it's been simmering away ever since and right there's never been a good time until yeah. until no races no races so. you might as well just run 250k <laughs> had a couple of spare days so <laughs> <laughs> congratulations that's an impressive amazing achievement um, where, where did the uh, passion for running start with you uh, it hasn't been long I've only been running for four years yeah. so played soccer for 15 years and then a mate wanted to run the UTA 50 mm-hmm. and uh, finished up soccer and Set about training for that and straight in, straight into the yeah. big stuff, and then yeah, it just kept getting bigger and bigger after that. So, I see that a heap, hey? Like, people have not run before, but then run 50k's. Or I think, Joe, yeah, you might have been 100k's. First, first race was 100k's, yes, 100k, correct, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, straight out of soccer as well, so yeah, okay. 
kick those terrible sports and get into trail running. I guess once you've uh, taken on 50 or 100 k's, there's not too much that daunts you anymore, so why not? I don't know, 250 was pretty daunting. (laughs) (laughs) So you had a reasonable amount of base and fitness and that sort of stuff before you started training to run? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 16 years of first grade soccer, just at a local level, and then off-seasons was always done running in between. Not a lot, a couple of days a week, but Mm. trying to keep that fitness through the off-season. Yeah, okay. Um, But yeah, there's always been enjoyment getting into the bush and um, Mm. just doing 10k here and 15k there and yeah 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 how did you find your first 50 was it uh you get oh. go through some dark patches or <laughs> she was brutal coming down kadumba hill i'll tell you <laughs> oh cra- the cramps started happening and then get to the river and then you start climbing up the other side and the running the running slowed considerably after that so <laughs> But, but we got it done. And you obviously got the bug pretty much straight away. You, you know, got to the finish line and wanted more of that. UTA finish line's pretty special, isn't it? Yeah. You've always known. Yeah. You've been there before. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, uh, apart from six foot, there hasn't been many finish lines like yeah. like UTA, I tell you. Yeah, like, for sure. There's a big buzz around it. So Yeah, it's a nice feeling at the end. Yeah. I'm not sure how much different it'll be this time around with um, yeah, restrictions on people and that sort of stuff. The end of... UTA, yeah. if it does go ahead, yep. there might be a few less people, a few more crickets, I think, possibly. <laughs> well, everyone's supporters will still go, I reckon, so... I guess so. I don't know. Depends what social distancing I happens so. come October. We'll just put that fake footy crowd noise in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. Better than crickets, anyway. Yep. So you've always run out in the bush. I've seen a bit of running around Booty National Park by yep. the looks of things. Um, yep. That's your stomping ground where you train? Yeah, Budai and... Uh, Is that how it's pronounced? Budai? Budai, yeah. I like booty so much. <laughs> <laughs> so we all do. We all do. <laughs> Shake your booty. There's something about it. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Budai's a local as well as, yeah, the Great North Walk. So, okay. Yeah. And looks like there's a bunch of you guys running pretty well up there. A couple of pretty tidy runners you you yeah, absolutely. They've got a nice little group. I mean, it's nothing formal. We're just a couple of guys that got together and got some shirts on. And yeah. <laughs> that all that it was takes. it, you know. <laughs> it's all it takes, a few shirts. Isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It just brings people together. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Lowe is one of the blokes up there. He's pretty pretty handy. Yeah. Aussie representative. Yeah, he's represented Australia twice. Gone yeah. to uh, Worlds and Sky Running Champs. So, okay. he's, uh, yeah. Pretty good. Dominic Perry's another another name that's quite good on the scene. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, Jason Stafford's there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come 10th at UTA 50 a couple of years ago when it was the alternate course. So, so you're, the, you're the Clydesdale of the group, aren't you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the, the long haul. <laughs> Ch- chasing some quick guys yeah. around the park. That's, that's impressive. So can you explain to listeners, I guess, what the Great North Walk is? And, and kind of where it snakes around and, and, and where it leads you. Yeah, so it's a 250-kilometre track. Starts at, well, either Newcastle or Sydney. There's no right way or wrong way to go about it. There's FKTs going both ways. Okay. So I started, chose to start at Newcastle and uh, travel down to Sydney. So start at Newcastle and head inland and you head towards Cessnock. And uh, it's a long way inland. And then <laughs> and from there you just... Just go south. Yeah, okay. Go south. You, you head towards Patonga. Uh, get to Patonga, and then you got to get in a boat or get in the car to get around the get around the river. Yeah, so, right. 
Um, so you got the ferry over, or how'd you? Uh, I just had a boat, just yeah. a private boat. Okay. A mate had a boat, so we got in the boat. Foggy is all. They all can see 20 metres in front of us, yeah, but yeah. the old navigation system on the boat held up well and got us wow. got us over to Brooklyn. So okay. Uh, so this is part of the 39 hours. Absolutely. Boat ride as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Watch doesn't stop. So fantastic. Started at Newcastle and stopped at Circular Quay. You weren't thinking about doing a swim in between. No. Or? <laughs> no once I had that support everywhere else, I was getting some support across the water. That's for sure. It's oh, unreal. <laughs> so. is, is there another section closer to Sydney where you have to get on a ferry or something like that as well? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So the run basically finishes at Woolwich near Hunters Hill. Yep. And the idea is to get a ferry across the circular quay there. Mm-hmm. But given the time of night that I finished, no ferries were were yep. running. So it's okay. water taxi or drive around through to circular quay. Right and then from circular quay, there's a 300 metre run up to Macquarie Place Park to get to the obelisk. So, so you get to Woolwich. <coughs> yep. And that's pretty much the end of the running. Yeah. But you've still got to logistically get yourself to circular quay. That's right. And it's another 20 to 30 minutes worth of... Wow. Dead time, basically. Oh, you know, wow. and then you got to get out of there and run 300 meters. Get out of the car and run another 300 meters, or get off the ferry and run another 300 meters. Oh. And what time of night was this? Uh, it's just before 10. Oh, yeah. It's pretty quiet in Sydney, though. COVID helped. Not a lot of cars around. Not a lot of traffic. Bloody oath. So we are. Uh, yeah. And, and did you? Feet hit the ground and you started to cramp immediately, or <laughs> no? I had a bit more coke in the in the car drive over to keep me keep me going. So oh, I'm just imagining that car ride for 30 minutes, just my hamstrings just yeah. screaming, just oh, hearing about it. Mate, I'll tell you, 10 minutes after walking to the hotel, it wasn't moving too quick. <laughs> oh, Isn't it funny how you can run? Well, yeah. I assume you can run for 39 hours, but as soon as you hit that finish line, you just cannot run anymore. That's it. No stopping. <laughs> you just got to keep going. There's something weird psychological about that yep. and, and what was the previous record uh, 49 hours and 5 minutes Joe Ward okay. held that so yep. took 9 hours and 15 minutes off that which was just incredible a little, just a little slice off it a little slice <laughs> was that the intention of um, breaking his record or did you have sub 40 hours in your mind oh or? there was no way sub 40 was in the mind I mean his record's there it's just a goal um, that gives you something to work towards yeah so as I sat down to try and plan this, I just wrote down some times for each sections. Yeah. Given that I know most of the sections so well, I could come up with a reasonable estimate of each to- time. Yeah. And um, I just added all those segments up and it came out to about 47 hours okay. total. That that was your rough plan? That was my rough plan of getting to. So. Okay. Um, and every time I come into a checkpoint, and they say, oh, you're half an hour up on that one, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, 20 minutes up on that one. So. so it was always good news along the way? Like you're always a bit up on... on I was always up from the start. Okay. It got, the closer I got to my house, the times become more realistic. Yeah. Like I, I figured out, because I've ran those sections so many times, I knew how long they would probably take me. So, yeah. um, But there was a section from Summersby to Mooney Mooney. Mm-hmm. And that was the only section that blew out longer than I'd actually planned. Okay. So every other section I'd come in under, was under news. time. Yeah. Okay. So. What about you, Judge? When you when you're ahead of time, you start to get a little bit worried, or Mate, it, 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 it hasn't happened yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just I'm waiting for that day, you know. <laughs> this actually could lead us into our first um, listener question. Yep. So this this one comes from uh, from the Wolfman. He he he. The Wolfman asks. When you were choosing a, a run to do your first FKT, 
did you choose this one because it was low-hanging fruit? <laughs> I don't know. There's been a lot of people have a go at this one, I tell you. And Is that right? A lot of people haven't even finished, finished. so... Yeah. Um, so it's not as low hanging as you might think. <laughs> 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 I'm not too sure, but you know, well, uh, let's, let's get some more people out there having a go at it. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Seems, seems like Wolfie's got his uh, work cut out for him. <laughs> I can't imagine him going more than nine hours in a row. Nah. His personality didn't catch up with him somehow. Um, and so, did Joe Ward contact you after the the attempt? And... Oh, I contacted Joe before okay. the run, actually. Yeah. yeah. He's more than happy. He's a really nice bloke to give me some advice and okay. hand over some knowledge about the course. I mean, he's run it three times, yep. FKT style, yep. and he's done the GNW Ultra race multiple, multiple times. Yep. So he's a wealth of knowledge, and he actually came out to support me as well and run run a few kilometres as well. So yeah, wow. he's okay. uh, he's a nice bloke, and uh, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so, so what pearls of wisdom did he pass on to you before you got out there? Get ready for the sleep monsters. <laughs> yeah, Don't okay. worry about hallucinations. Okay. <laughs> um, things will go wrong. Yeah. Um, just be prepared for it, you know. Over such a long time and long distance that not everything can go perfectly right. Yeah. And certainly we made some navigational errors. Yeah. I made some computational errors between sections. I thought they were shorter than they were or yeah, yeah. they were longer than they were. Yeah. And... So when I get to 10Ks and it ends up being 15Ks, the mind starts playing a few games yeah, on you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was all my fault in preparation. So. What was your, your favourite hallucination along the way? I didn't have too many. <laughs> I was, through that Summersby to Mooney section, there's a couple of rocks up ahead under, under Head Torch and um, they kind of look like tents, little dome tents, little one-person dome tents. So, like creeping in. Yeah, <laughs> just on the trail, just on, just sitting there. There was two of them, and yeah, I passed two of them within a kilometre of each other, and they both looked exactly the same <laughs> until you get closer, and then you just go, it's a rock, okay. <laughs> it's a nice warm pillow and a blanket in there. Yeah, <laughs> the things the mind does at 2 a.m. Yeah, bloody oath. <laughs> That's, have you ever experienced a trail hallucination? Uh, I, I saw a Pokemon at one point, but <laughs> <laughs> didn't feel like sleeping there with it. <laughs> so, mate, you talk about your dream team of supporters. So, how many people did you have out there assisting you? Uh, total, there was 19, I think, right. come out throughout the two days. Yep. Um, had one throughout the whole thing. So, Jason Stafford drove me up in the morning to start and then he crewed for the entire time as well as doing some pacing towards the end okay so so stayed awake for 40 hours as well pretty much pretty much yeah he had a little nap in the car like on the first night somewhere but if he got 20 minutes that would have been all he got so um and then yeah just people coming out for different sections and a few few guys hung around for a more than 30 hours yeah, so okay. um, so you've had different paces along the way or just different people to run with you or? yeah different people different paces uh, different crew um, Jason was a solid all the way through but yeah um, I pretty much I did have someone pace me throughout the whole thing okay. at least one yeah and people jump in a section, jump out, come back in a bit later. So, are there, are there rules within the FKT to how many paces you can have? There's no rule on how many. 
as, as soon as you have a pacer, it's considered supported. So, yep. Yep. as many as you want, basically, yep. after that. So. And what are the other rules around that FKT idea? Is there anything else there? Or? Uh, just on whether you want it unsupported, supported, or self-supported. Right. So, they're the three categories within the FKT. So, self-supported, you'd be drop bags or something like that? Or drop bags, stop at a shop, you know, oh, stop right. at a servo, okay. whatever you want to do, I'm pretty sure. Unsupported, literally carry everything you need along the way. Yeah. And then supported, yeah, take as much help as you can. So how light was your your, your, your kit, your bag, your, your pack? My pack? I didn't carry a pack for 40 hours. Beautiful. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> the joys of having people around you. Yeah, that's excellent. So, Bloody hell. Yeah. And but, how frequently would you catch up with you know your support van or whatever? Uh, yeah, so the longest section was 19k. Um, everything else, there was some short stuff on roads where they could meet us every couple of k. But generally, 8 to 15 kilometres they, they would find us, so 1 to 2 hours. So the 19k was about 3 hours. It was through the night, so it took a bit longer. So that kept um, the, the, the vibe high? Yeah, well, seeing people and... Knowing you don't have to carry too much, a couple yeah. of bottles of water or a tailwind or coke, and then you could refill. You don't have to carry three litres of water through, you know, 30k sections like they do on the Great North Walk Ultras. Yeah. So it yeah, um, does help having guys there meeting you, you know, every couple of hours. Maximum. Yeah. And, and, so. and did you uh, have any help regarding like gear and nutrition hydration on the way like did some like tailwind jump on and give you some assistance or no is it all you <laughs> it's all me it's all uh, me uh, so that might be a good little segue to you know tailwind if you're listening or maybe even precision hydration <laughs> someone else might jump on board the Grand Brisbane chain next time <laughs> don't forget Goo Energy that's right or Sydney Brewery <laughs> <laughs> that might help There's so many options so many options oh, that's funny um Along the way, did you sit down to actual meals with these guys, like, or did you just keep moving the whole time? Uh, I mean, the longest point sitting down was probably on the boat and in the car th- through the water sections. Yeah. Uh, but I would sit down and have five minutes, six, seven minutes, have a couple of two-minute noodles, um, try to eat some pizza. Um, that didn't really sit too well, so we moved on from that pretty quick and got moving again. Um, but yeah, you don't want to sit too long, otherwise you're definitely not going to get up and keep moving the way you were before you sat down, I don't think. So, Did you ever try to roll up a pizza into a sort of burrito-style, Dean Karnatsa style? Or? <laughs> nah, it was too thick, definitely too thick, and uh, not that New, New York-style pizza where you can roll it up. That's... He's a hard ass that can't <laughs> So, what was the? I guess did you have apart from two minute noodles anything real in terms of food? Like, uh, yeah, consistently I was eating those tortilla wraps okay. and mixing it up, avocado, honey, Vegemite on those. Okay. Counted up, went through about eighteen of those. Eighteen wraps. Eighteen wraps through throughout the packets throughout the day, so, nice. or the two days. Um, plenty of fruit. Yeah. Plenty of fruit, plenty of bananas, oranges, a couple, okay. couple of apples. So lots of real food. Try to do a lot of real food, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did, mean, you, did you mix the energy gel type stuff into it? Or? Yeah, yeah. so I had a few bars early on, um, and then I probably only had three or four goos throughout the two yep. days. Um, a wow. couple of cliff 
shop blocks, a couple of those shop block things. Okay. Um, but yeah, mostly real food. And if it if it kept going down, I kept eating it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all that other stuff's there just to supplement it a bit. Supplement it and help you out if you get on the low with yeah. all the sugar. So that's really interesting. Um, look, did you have someone look at I guess your nutrition strategy, like and marry up the amount of calories with the amount of time or anything like that or was it just sort of no no nothing like that it's played as it lies kind of thing so just try and eat as much as you can while um while it's going when, down when you can when you can and uh okay thanks rookie thanks rookie rookie rookie's <laughs> just uh interrupted the party yeah, to yeah. bring us a new round yeah and do us <laughs> thanks <laughs> This is a great spot. <laughs> uh, funny. I, I, I want to know about um, the, the finish line a little bit. So did you immediately sit down and think, I can shave some more time off this particular section or I could have done something differently here or you just sort of satisfied? That, that smile says yes, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was definitely satisfied. To get under 40 hours, that's, that's massive. Yeah. But, I mean, you look back and you think about all the little mistakes that you made few out and backs on the wrong trail yep. um, I had a mate come and meet me at Toronto he was out there working and it was just along the road on a nice flat section and we just walked and talked for 10 minutes along a nice flat section very early on like yep. three hours into the run mm-hmm. and we could have been running that but you know what does it do make up three minutes four minutes you know yeah. like, at what cost at what cost at yeah. the end of the day so I'd rather enjoy the company and um Mm. Rather than trying to fang it down the road yeah, at yeah, you know right. five minute pace, so that's right. I mean, there's always time to make up, but yeah. as you say, at what cost is it going to come to you? For sure. So, for sure. And so, does that mean that you would or wouldn't have another crack at it one of these days? Ah, uh, you never say never, but yeah. I'm pretty satisfied with what I've done. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people trying to talk me into going the other way now, going from <laughs> Sydney through to Newcastle. That's all, that's all uphill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did the easy way, downhill, Newcastle to Sydney. <laughs> into a raging suddenly the whole time. Yeah. Uh, we had wonderful weather. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't get too cold at night. One shirt, no gloves, no bath. Really? So... If you sat down at an aid station for 10 minutes, I'd throw two shirts on to leave the aid station, but 10 minutes later, that's it. second shirt would be off and you'd be back to shorts and a shirt. And that's makes it, it so. easier logistically, that's great. Well, yeah, absolutely. You're not getting hot, cold and all the likes. So. Unreal, unreal. So I guess talking about that idea of up and down, I'm like, thanks for being How much vertical gain is there in 250k, is it? Yeah, come out, come out at about eight and a half thousand meters. Yeah, right. So okay. just short of Everest. Yeah, unfortunately, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't doing any more. That's for sure. You decided to do wool and wool stairs a few nah, times. Nah, 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 make it up. <laughs> nah, definitely not. No more stairs. <laughs> Had enough stairs. <laughs> eight and a half grand. Yeah, it's getting pretty close to that sort of ultra trail Australia. Yeah, ratio there, isn't it? Like, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's steep out there. It yeah. is steep. Like the stairs are. They're not normal stairs, they're rock stairs and some of the sections have steel pins bolted into the rocks where you've got to climb up and down like a like a rock climber. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, um, so quick running then. Oh yeah, super quick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a road runner, don't look at your watch. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And, and so I guess for the listeners who've not done a lot of the Great North Walk, what are the ratios of 
you know, single track, fire trail, road stuff, climbing? Yeah, uh, you'd, you'd have to say it's probably 70% single trail. Okay. Um, fire trail after that, but there's not a lot and um, not much road, definitely not much road. Yeah, so, right. 10 kilometer section at Yarramalong, which is a pain in the bum, mm-hmm. uh, but you used to have to do that at the end of the 100k Great North, Great North Walk Ultra, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that was. You think it's the easy section, but yeah. 10k on the road to finish. Oh, great for the head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. That's I've only done sort of the sections between like Brooklyn, Barawa, Cowan, that sort of stuff, and plenty it's, hills. It's definitely not flat, that's for sure. <laughs> There's no. It's pretty rough too. Like it's definitely not easy trails around there. So 39 hours. Gets better and better. It's getting more amazing as we talk. (laughs) It does definitely. What um, what was the meal you were salivating over for the last fifty k's, wanting to have in uh, in Sydney? (laughs) I didn't have anything when I got back to Sydney. I wasn't thinking of that. Um, All I managed wasn't much open. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Uh, We ducked down to Macca's. Quickly got a McFlurry and a burger and a. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All I could eat was a McFlurry. You couldn't get anything there. Nah, I was so nah. Isn't that a disappointment? I oh, know. Always <laughs> impossible to eat real food. I tell you what, the hotcakes at Patonga were pretty good though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking forward to those for a few few kilometres heading down the hill. <laughs> so yeah, so that that section where you coming out of the dark on the first night that was they, they talk about that being a bit of a boost in energy yeah absolutely yeah I mean that's that's my, where I live so yeah, yeah, yeah. going over my local hill at 6am with sun rising yeah. that was pretty amazing and yeah you do get that second second wind as soon as the, the day comes up like you don't feel tired anymore and the light the light kicks in and you just feel like you've Mr. Day sleep, and that's it. You just keep going. So, right. so there weren't any uh, one-minute Courtney DeWalter no. style sleeps in, in there. No, that was going to be the plan, though. Just uh, if I got tired, just sleep on the trail and um, yeah. lay down where needed, rather than trying to force yourself through to a car or a, yeah, yeah. you know a crew where they'd have a car and you know a blanket. Find a comfy rock. Just Think find it. Find around. a comfy rock that doesn't look like a tent, and you'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> so you nothing. The whole time? Nothing, no. I was lucky, like, finishing at 10 o'clock the second night, I never had to go through that second night. I knew I'd finish before I needed sleep, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Getting through to midnight or something on the second night might have been a little bit different, yeah. you know. You, you probably probably would have got sleep monsters then, that's for sure. So, But caffeine was pretty high by that stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're managing that all the way through? Like, were you specifically trying to get caffeine into you at certain times well i tried to stay off it for the first day okay so i really didn't want to touch it till the second day um and i managed 22 hours without touching it so without a coffee (laughs) without a coffee so on a normal regular working day would you have a couple of coffees oh i do drink coffee but it's probably only three or four a week it's not i don't go out of my way more a social yeah. thing with me yeah. after a run on Saturday or Sunday with the boys we'll, we'll go for a coffee yeah. once or twice during the work week I might catch up with someone and have a coffee okay. but uh, no but I did stop cut it out for two weeks beforehand uh, just yeah. just in case it did do something so 
That's impressive. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, I would have been picking the no-dozers off out of the pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Not enough blister packs. To... <laughs> I'd be getting pretty heavy into the headaches after a couple of days of no caffeine, I reckon. So 22 hours, that's long enough. That's long enough, yeah. Kicked a no-doze at Mooney Mooney. And, uh... So you did use you no-doze rather than Red Bull or... Yeah, so... No days every four hours or so, um, and then kicked in the coke probably last five or six hours, yeah. and uh, no food after that. Once the coke starts, you just sit on the coke and yeah, yeah, yeah. enough calories and caffeine in that to definitely keep you going. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good indication that we should just never be drinking that at any other time in our lives. Absolutely. I don't touch the stuff unless I'm running. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and so for someone who doesn't drink a heap of coffee... Um, and you had a bunch of caffeine obviously in that last 20 hours whatever did you sleep afterwards? not well no. not well no. <laughs> I probably got 2 or 3 hours so I, don't, I don't know if it was the legs that were yeah. throbbing so much I threw them up on the hotel wall and laid on the back and as soon as I put them back down you could feel the blood just rushing back to, through to the legs and the feet and yeah, just right. It's an incredible feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was that one of your post-race tips? To... <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anybody lay up against a oh. zebra with their feet in the air. It's the, they call it the Michael Hutchins, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they call it. Uh... All right, so we should talk about some other other running, other races. You seem to have a big affinity for the mountains and some big verti sort of courses. Absolutely. Like, where did that come from? Is that just your local local terrain or you particularly sort of suited to that kind of racing you think? Oh, I just don't think I'm quick enough to catch the fast guys over, <laughs> to, over the quicker terrain that's for sure um, I like the mountains, I like exploring different different areas and different doing different things so um, I mean down at Buffalo it's been wonderful, down in Bright they do, they do a wonderful event down there and yep. They have some big mountains down there, okay. so my local mountain's 200 metres, so it's got nothing on those things. Yeah, yeah. So. Mate, I was trawling through your, um, I guess, your race resume and, yeah. and saw the, the Buffalo Stampede Grand Slam, so you've yeah. done three days in a row there. Can you explain yeah. to listeners what that means? What, what are the races? Yeah, so when I did it, it was a 20k on Friday, up up to the top of uh, Clear Spot and back down. And then Saturday you woke up and uh, you, you tried to run 75 kilometres through the mountains with four and a half thousand metres of vert. And uh, then go home, try and get some sleep and uh, wake up the next day and knock out a marathon on the same course. Yeah. So, I'll so tell you've you, clearly got some problems. Oh, I've got problems. <laughs> <laughs> on that Sunday, I tell you, it was a slow start, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And because so, you weren't moving slowly on the Saturday either, you did pretty well in that race. Yeah, top 20 on that race, yeah. I think, overall. So yeah. um, it's pretty good when I've raced the day before and trying to save a little bit for the day after as well. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's different running each and every day. Nah. Sounds horrible. <laughs> and, and, but you had some greater success at the Ultra the following year, is that right? You, in, the, in Buffalo Stampede? Yeah, so the following year just did the 75k. Yeah. Didn't want to hammer myself too hard and yeah, focus yeah. on that. And uh, yeah, came in second yeah. second there. So Mate. had a really good day there. So. Fantastic. You, you, you really seem to have hit your straps 
towards the back end of 2018 and into 2019 with yep. some pretty much podium in every race you enter <laughs> by the looks of things. Um, yep. Do you think that's just an accumulation of racing and training or do you think you did something different in that lead up? No, no, I think it is just accumulation of time on feet to two and a half years of running. Yep. You know, you build, build a good base and you learn. I certainly have couple of results in 2016 2017 where you know broke you down and crushed you and you've got to learn from it (laughs) otherwise you're not going to move forward so um yeah i mean i've been pretty consistent over the four years i've been running and um i think i think that's paying paying good dividends right about now so yeah yeah absolutely and and you got stuck into a couple of longer races during that period of time so First place in the Human Hovel 100 mile 2019, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was my second attempt at a, uh, a miler and it uh, took me two years to go back to a miler. Okay. Uh, the first one kicked me <laughs> really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great North Walk 100 miler, going good for 110k or so and then hit a wall and had to walk it in pretty much for the next 60k so but you toughed it out that's tough to, uh, tough to do out almost got pulled off course for uh fluid retention so okay. had to put on weight put on weight yeah. so had a lot of swelling through the hands and the feet and um yeah so learned a lot through that that race about salt and hydration and Great what stuff. not to do and what 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 to do and um okay. yeah and, and, and so what what not to do what did, what did you do? Uh, it was a hot day and I was drinking quite a lot, but I kept drinking a lot through the night as well, even after it had cooled down. So I had just really taken on too much too much fluid. Um, I found better ways to cool myself down rather than drinking to try and yep. cool yourself down. So, you know, throwing water over the head yep. is obviously a better idea than trying to mm. <laughs> cool yourself from the inside out. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so that was just manifesting as sausage fingers and swollen yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And had you put on weight? Is that why they tried to yank you from the race? Uh, I was on the I was on the borderline, but yes, I had put on put on weight. So there was a guideline back then. Okay. I can't remember if it was three percent or five percent weight. Either way, under over, okay. and they'd hold you until you'd lost or gained weight. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, so and they weighed um, you through the race. They weigh you three times throughout the race, and they've got doctors at aid stations to, uh, yeah, to make sure everything's above board. So that's impressive. Do you reckon you've ever put on weight during a race? Let, let it be known here that I will never be doing a hundred mile race. <laughs> I don't want anyone to know my weight. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to say never. Anyway, we've got um, a couple of listener questions have come in actually. This is, this is from Stu Rennie, 73.2. So I've noticed in most of your Instagram photos that you're a big fan of the split shorts. Uh, can I please join your club? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stu's a big fan too. Actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's, uh, what's the situation there? Uh, I don't like running with a shirt, so, okay. you know, it's usually shirt off and shorts on. And, uh, and just the high cut split shorts. Yeah. 
Just, is no, it no, just no. allowing for freer movement? Or <laughs> what are, what are we I don't doing? know. I think it's more of a heat thing for me. I get I get pretty hot running, so it's, um, yeah. yeah Stu just been... thinks the chicks love it. I think that's all. <laughs> and he's right. He's right. They do. They do. That, that could be something for you, Judge. You're a bit of an overheater as well. Yeah, I just can't can't bring myself to pop in the bonnet that often. <laughs> I'm just talking about the shorts. Nice high cut split short. No, I'm, I'm thinking about going back to the boardies. So. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> anyway, Stewie, you're in, mate. Yeah. All right, next Ju- listener question. The barefoot investor. I've noticed also some of your photos, you've been sporting the vibrant five fingers. Does this mean I'm free to wear mine in public without ridicule? Also, could you help me spread the rumour that hawkers contain heavy metals and cause learning delay? <laughs> that's, that's a loaded question. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, the vibrant five fingers, that was an experiment, not well, okay. well done. But um, they do get you up on your toes, I'll tell you that. They do get you moving a little bit freer, but you, you definitely need to do it on a on a soft track and not through the trails or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and hokers, Jesus. So you, you, so you sit somewhere in between the, the two parts of that argument? Absolutely, yeah. Hokers, I think if I stepped in hokers, I'd roll my ankle straight away. So you feel like, unstable in it? Very unstable. So something in between is pretty good for me. Okay. And so, what, do you, what did you wear for the 39 hours? Same uh, set of shoes? Uh, two sets of shoes. I started in the Nike Kyger yep. and uh, halfway through changed to the Nike Wild Horse. A bit more cushion, okay. a bit more protection and... Uh, they seem to do all right, apart from the black toenails, so... <laughs> which I think you're going to get anyway, so... I'm amazed you didn't have black toenails beforehand after that <laughs> race resume. What, what, what uh, inspired you to chuck on the five-finger things in the first place? Uh, I think it was so he could get to the, uh, to the bin outside wearing a pair of thongs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, the barefoot running movement. You, you read yeah. Born to Run? Yeah, yeah, exactly, okay. something like that. Nice. And I thought I'd give him a go, but nah, not for me, I don't think. Nah, me so. Hard to buy socks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me really and Gingy, you should jump on board. Yeah, you're really, really limited to be in Gingy's. We should get a, get a call out to Nike, push your nose pretty hard, that's good. T- tell us about, um, I was looking through, yeah, once again, the race resume, and this hut to hut came up. I've not heard of that particular race. It sounds yeah. and looks relatively brutal um just a new race on the calendar is that right yeah pretty new race it's only been around a few years and um they they more support the team team event if you want to go down as twos or threes and do a day or do it over two days or three days they do but they do accept solo entries so you have to apply to uh get in but <laughs> yeah, have to be the right brand of crazy. Well, yeah, crazy. you got to finish it in a day. So okay. Um, and what's the distance and terrain? And that sort yeah, of so it's 100 k's. There's about 6,000 meters of vert okay. over the 100 k's, yeah. which is insane. Very big. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of single track, a lot of four wheel drive track, but rutted out four wheel drive track. Mm-hmm. And um, just if you're not climbing, you're going down. Yeah. If you're not going down, you're going back up. Yeah. So. And they're big mountains down in Victoria. Yeah. Mount Hotham. So, okay, so Mount Buller. Around, around that part yeah. of the world. So. The hut to hut. Yeah. All right. Run for the list, Judge. What do you think? Yeah, no. No, we're out. We're out. No. That was a good day. That was a good day. <laughs> We've got um, listen to a question from Steph Austin. 
bit of a celebrity one there. Uh, I was tra- trawling through your six-foot track uh, results, and I've seen a 405 and a 402. Do you think if you weren't wearing a pack, you might have broken four? I'm sure Steph wears a pack, doesn't she? <laughs> she, she certainly does. She certainly does, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of the pack, so yeah. carry what you need. And, uh, you know, I did that in 2017, 2018, so okay. I think... In the last couple of years, I've learned a little bit more. and um, but, yeah, You're yeah, a shoe-in for sub four. I don't know if I'd carry a pack nowadays, that's ah. for sure. I think I'd just <laughs> grab a Coke on the way through every aid station and uh, okay. we'd get it done. So so potentially, don't, don't wear the pack. Don't wear the pack, yeah. All right. Yeah. Pretty contentious. Especially with no shirt. That's right. Yeah, I know. There's nothing worse than a bit of nipple chafe. Pack and no shirt. I know. You can't, if you're doing the pack, you've got to do the shirt. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it makes it much more difficult, doesn't yeah. it? Did, did you, uh, did, do you think you're suited to that style of race, six-foot track stuff? You said you're not real quick, but 402 is no. moving pretty fast. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of fast guys that get into that, get into that race and... Uh, I mean, I love the finish, that 2K descent through yeah. that technical single trail down to, down to that finish line, listening to those cowbells, I tell you. There's something it, about it. That'll bring you back, I tell you. There's something about Definitely it. Definitely bring you back. So. Yeah, we keep going back for more. Yeah. Except this year, the mongrels, just before COVID hit. They, that, was the, that was the first, uh, first cancellation, event. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully next year, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. We'll keep them crossed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a little bit of a... Um, move aside from that sort of fast running notice you, you you've used poles in a few of your events are you yep. a bit of a fan of the poles uh, i am i am but i d- tend to do events as you have you noticed that are pretty steep and pretty yeah pretty technical so i mean through the great north walk i hmm. pretty much picked them up after 30 k's and okay. didn't let them go didn't drop them <laughs> didn't let them go after that so yeah, right. um yeah poles they help i didn't think they helped too much on downhill but Holding them in your hands for a 200 odd k's on the Great North Walk, you'll get uh, you get pretty accustomed to yeah, yeah. using them down a hill as well. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. um, I do find they take a, take a bit of load off the legs yeah. getting up a hill. So, any 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 benefits going to be good benefits. Yeah, so. well, they talk about sort of 10 to 15 percent load off the okay. legs. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, for that sort of stuff. Yeah. So makes sense over 200 k's. That that kind of difference is going to make a big difference over that time and distance so yeah yeah yeah, definitely and um i guess was there any other injury or sore points or you know pain associated with having the poles in your hands for 200 k's like wrists shoulders anything different elbow yeah elbow yeah i think the elbow got a bit of overuse so repetitive strain bit of a repetitive strain pushing pushing down through the rocks and pushing up onto stairs like putting them in front of you and jumping onto a set of stairs or a rock or something so you do put a bit of load through them and even hopping down you put all the load through the poles and hop down the big stairs so these are joints and muscles that aren't really used to taking that sort of load i guess i suppose you don't use them as often you don't i don't train with them so they just come out in races same for the big days (laughs) exactly (laughs) spending a little bit more time in the gym before the next (laughs) yeah might need to that's right I found that fascinating about using them that race overseas with the poles. My wrists and shoulders were heaps sore in my legs. Yes. Yeah. You got them in your hands the whole time. You're yeah. pushing, taking a load off the legs. It's bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre to do a 100k race and feel wrist pain. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the other way around, it shouldn't it? Sense. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense at all. 
Anyway, it's obviously working very well for you, mate. So and it's definitely not cheating. Just needed to add that little one in there. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. little shout-out to Rookie. Thanks, Rookie. Thanks for the beers, mate. We'll convert you to poles one of these days. All right, well, we might wrap it up and have a couple more schooners at the Sydney Brewery, I reckon. But thanks so much for your time, Grant. No worries. Thanks, Eddie. Congratulations, and uh, I'm glad you're recovering well. Uh, I'm sure Black Hole 100 will be on, so... Yeah. Yeah. Fingers good crossed. Good luck with the training for the next few months, mate. Get the uh, tracksuit pants out and get some heat acclimatisation, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And uh, we'll look forward to seeing your progress, mate. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks. Guys. Yeah.